The museum I hoped to land my first private sector role at didn't need either an astronaut or a bureaucrat. It needed a leader who could persuade the community to support the museum, persuade the public to come visit, and persuade patrons to donate money. Someone who was a capable executive who could plan strategically, motivate the troops and volunteers, and orchestrate all the work. Nowhere on my resume did the words marketing or fundraising or executive appear. I am the only person to have walked in space and gone to the deepest point in the ocean. Hi, I'm Kathy Sullivan, and I'm an explorer. Exploring doesn't always have to involve going to some remote or exotic place. It simply requires your commitment to put curiosity into action. So join me on this podcast journey as I reflect on lessons learned from life so far and from my brilliant and ever inquisitive guests. We'll explore together in this very moment from right where you are. Spaceship not required. Welcome to Kathy Sullivan Explores. Before we take off, I have a gift for you. I believe that no matter where you are today, an active thirst for knowledge will help unlock your ability to live a life of meaning and happiness. So I'm sharing some lessons I've learned on my road less traveled. Over at KathySullivanExplores.com, you'll find my seven astronaut tips to improving your life on Earth. When you sign up, I'll send them to you and also make sure you're the first to discover future podcast episodes and learn more about exciting adventures ahead. Just head on over to KathySullivanExplores.com. How often have you had to explain to a potential employer or partner why you think your earlier jobs and experiences equip you to create or work in an organization? College graduates face this challenge all the time. Just think how often you hear someone say, an English major doesn't equip you for anything. And today's era of having multiple careers over a lifetime means many of us face the challenge mid-career as we shift from one line of work to another. Unless we go off to start our own business alone, we will all have to wrestle with how to translate what we've done before into the skills and abilities needed for what's next. I certainly faced this challenge when I interviewed for my first non-government job. In fact, I had a double challenge. First, I had to overcome the generally shabby public relation of government jobs in the United States. And second, the fact that nobody really understands what an astronaut does other than look cool in TV broadcasts from space. I was in my early 40s when this quandary arose. Government service of one form or another was the only kind of work I'd done since finishing my doctorate. The museum I hoped to land my first private sector role at didn't need either an astronaut or a bureaucrat. It needed a leader who could persuade the community to support the museum, persuade the public to come visit, and persuade patrons to donate money. Someone who was a capable executive who could plan strategically, motivate the troops and volunteers, and orchestrate all the work. Nowhere on my resume did the words marketing or fundraising or executive appear. My challenge then was simply to explain to the trustees of a science museum that I was a great choice to be their next CEO. How could I do that? But come to think of it, why did I think I was qualified? How did I make my case? In a nutshell, I peeled away the job labels we had used at NASA and NOAA, the two government agencies I had been at, and thought about the fundamental building blocks in each of my various roles. 
Inside baseball jargon is nothing but gibberish outside the ballpark. And I realized I shouldn't expect an interview to make the translation for me. That was on me. So I translated. It was true that I had never designed or run an ad campaign, but I had been in the media circus and closely observed how the government had used and leveraged NASA as a commercial face and created a brand to help sell America to the world. And I'd never led a formal strategic planning process, but I had played a central role in the planning of many shuttle missions and knew how to develop both the strategic and the tactical dimensions of a complex plan. I had also never directly solicited somebody for money, but I had needed to sell NASA to skeptical members of Congress on many occasions, which had taught me to think clearly about the real purpose of the agency's programs and what that would mean to the members, and then to lay out a compelling and truthful argument to gain their support. And while I didn't have the conventional business metrics to make my case, I could cite other pretty compelling evidence that I had mastered these skills. The fact that I had been successful in some very harsh and high-stakes environments where only the highest ethical standards will do. You may get away with stretching the truth to sell your product or get a donor to write a check, but you'll kill some people if you try that in the space biz. Finally, I recognized that a science museum wasn't a spaceship or a government agency. So I knew I would have to be alert to adapting the methods I had built in those settings to very new circumstances. Leadership is just not a cookie-cutter exercise. It worked this way before is no guarantee that the same thing will work in a new setting. I thought about this recently when I heard the classic worthless degree comment at a reception. Someone mentioned a recent graduate who hoped to get into criminology, I think it was. And another person asked what their major had been. When the answer was something in arts and letters, literature, I think, but I don't remember exactly what, the retort was immediate. <laughs> well, that's hopeless. I heartily disagreed. By that argument, the years I had spent studying foreign languages before switching to the sciences would have all been a waste, when in fact they had helped me in my graduate oceanography program and throughout my NASA career. So I decided to push back, unpacking the skills and knowledge that a good curriculum in that field would give one. Careful reading, critical thinking, analytical skill, good insights into group dynamics, into what makes people tick, and how they handle stress and conflict. I imagined all these would be key ingredients to figuring out the how and why of a crime. And an investigation needs more than just lab techs who can process DNA samples or analyze other forensic evidence. The team also needs to be able to notice details, spot the incisive questions, and deal with people, the willing, the wounded, the reluctant, and the hostile. Trust me, you don't get those skills just from a hard science degree. So what skills and talents are hiding behind the job titles on your resume? And how will you work to uncover them for the next set of decision makers to see? Thanks so much for joining me on today's mission. For more solo shows and deep dives with incredible guests, along with all the ways to get the podcast and much more, head over to kathysullivanexplores.com.